and welcome to Atacalypse, a podcast from Grindhouse Theology. I'm Turner Bath, and I'm here with Erica, who happens to be married to Turner. And we're really happy that you're here with us for our first episode. Um, we decided to start this season talking about the mid-season of The Walking Dead. So I've been watching The Walking Dead since season one, and I've watched all of the seasons multiple times. And uh, actually watch them with my grandma, if you can believe that, who is probably more of a dead fan than either one of us. She even has t-shirts. It's, it's gotten quite out of hand, really. Yeah, yeah. We've, we've had to have an intervention now and then. But nevertheless, still a great show. And I'm really excited about where the series is headed thus far. I think this uh, this opening episode of the rest, the second half of season eight is really interesting because it it deals with what is right and wrong in a way that the series hasn't touched on before. Yeah, definitely. And la- over last year, I kind of noticed the theme. It seemed to be happening in cinema, over TV series, even even in comics. And it's what I'm going to be calling the Year of the Grey Jedi. And this is where <laughs> I, I kind of reveal that I'm a huge Star Wars fan, but uh, I think this is a great way to characterize um, the theme of last year. And a Grey Jedi, if you're not familiar with the term, is a type of Jedi that is in the balance between the light and dark side of the Force where the light side is focused on harmony and peace, as well as discipline. And the dark side is focusing on passion and power and pain and fear. Um, the great Jedi skirts the line between the two of them, finding some kind of balance. So you're saying that uh, in literature and film, we're kind, of gr- we're kind of blurring the lines between the good and the bad guys, right? Yeah. So what would be the way that you would look at the last part of this season um, up to now? I mean, what you're saying is correct. We've seen all of the first half of season eight was character after character lining up and, and showing us that no one is all good or all all bad, right? Everyone is the Gathic Acological, composed of good and evil. We see that even, even in, in Eugene, right? Who defected an entire season ago. And yet he is setting up in the last, in the last episode of the first half of season eight, we see him. Oh, look, I've dropped the keys to a car that's exactly where there's no guard right now. I don't know why I did that. Like, I'm just doing this because I can sleep it tonight, you know? Yeah. So this breaking down, and we see the people who are supposed to be our heroes, Rick, Michonne, um, Daryl especially, all turning into essentially monsters who kill every living thing that isn't in their clique, right? Um, And so we're coming into this season... And we have no one to trust, right? And that is where Carl is really able to shine in. Spoiler, this is a spoiler. Death. Yeah, for sure. And I, I'm i really glad to see the series get to this point where we can have a little more nuanced conversation about what is good and what is evil. Because up to this point, we've just been... 
focusing on surviving and not caring about who's in that other click. Um, and in the case of like Woodbury from season two, the people who came over to the survivors group were essentially defectors. There wasn't an actual peacemaking between the two groups. So there's been this consistent us versus them kind of mentality and uh, just with a backdrop of zombies. Everybody's against the zombies, but then everybody's against this other person or these other people are against these these people. And I think I really saw the most breakdown in Ezekiel. I mean, he's he's an actor already. We know that he's just trying to put on a show for all of his people to say. And it's worked it, so far. It definitely has worked. And I think one of the episodes toward the middle of the last part of this season where they're going to battle. They, I think there were three, three different firefights that they were a part of, that they won them all, didn't lose anybody. And he just was saying, I smile. And yet I, I smile. smile. Right up until the point, that's when his entire group gets raised, right? Yeah. When you see him breaking right before that, after they'd ambushed and slaughtered the whole team, save for the people who were staked out in the warehouse, the whole team, um, whole of Gavin's team, and he's looking around at the slaughter. And though they won, they didn't lose anybody. He's starting to see that they're becoming exactly what they're trying to destroy. Yeah. And I think, too, so like Morgan and Carl in this episode, um, not Carl, Morgan and Carol. <laughs> Those names are really similar. Yeah. Morgan and Carol are trying to break back into the kingdom, which is being held basically hostage by Gavin, who is one of the saviors. So they can get all that they can out of the kingdom and then take, of course, take Ezekiel, who has a bounty at this point, take the king back to the saviors to have his head put on a spike, right? That's the promise that was made to Ezekiel if he did what he did. So, and during that, during that adventure (laughs) back into the kingdom, we see Morgan totally lose it. Morgan, who was the voice of peace, the voice of of pacifism, to yeah. the nth degree, only less than a full season ago, right? Where did that breakdown occur? I think for for him, it definitely happened when Benjamin was killed um, during that run that uh, the kingdom was having to give the thirteen melons. Back to Negan and one that of, one long-haired dude. Yeah, though we're talking about trying to make peace, he's the one guy I want to die. <laughs> I just can't stand that guy. But anyways, that's definitely whenever I think Morgan broke down. After that, um, he'd been struggling with everything he learned from the cheesemaker and everything he learned about Aikido. Even the day after, when he's having lunch and Henry was talking to him. You could see the tension and the struggle at that point. I think the more that he just ran into Negan and seeing that, and, and I'm referring to Negan collectively as they prefer to be <laughs> called. <laughs> so the saviors, um, as he 
began to just see more and more of the saviors in action, he just really deteriorated um, to where we see him in the last part of the season, just wanting to slaughter everyone that they had taken, that they had taken prisoner. As an audience, when we see Morgan break down, we really see the, the same hero, right? Because we've seen Rick. Rick has been degrading far faster and longer than Morgan has. And so we've already lost faith in in his ability to bring us anywhere. But Morgan really personified, you know, the spirit that our survivors had in the beginning that they're losing. And to see him break down, especially the last half, the previous half of this season, it almost felt like as a long-term watcher, like betrayal almost because it's like is there a is there hope right and they they were just i think they were gearing us up and making us feel like all hope was lost to bring us to this episode right yeah it's a it, i really feel like this episode is a turning point because of carl i think though um there's there's also maybe some secondary players to what Carl's vision is. And I, I think that we see that in the last season, or the, sorry, the last episode um, before this one, where there's this very long, drawn-out montage. The first time I saw it, I was like, why is this even in here at the end of the episode? Okay, now we see Carl's dying. But looking back at it, I could see the faces we saw in the montage toward the end of the episode was very carefully placed and lighted. We saw Maggie's face in the dark as she was to the point where she just wants to start killing the people that she has prisoner, just like Morgan was. And then we see Jesus' face in the light, and he's still trying to be a voice of peace. And then we see Carol and Ezekiel lit and then Morgan. Morgan he's lit but then he slips away into, into the, the darkest dark, dark oh. even darker than Maggie so I think everything from the last part of the season was definitely working up to Carl right just so like what you're seeing we have to talk about Carl yeah <laughs> oh man it's so deep. okay so Carl dies <laughs> I hope if you're listening to this, okay, if you are listening to this and you haven't watched it, you're already lost. So probably just pause it, go watch the episode, and then come back. Carl dies. I'm going to argue that, now I'm not saying that this is a metaphor that can be taken and applied to Carl from season one now, but definitely in this episode and probably at least for the next season, they they set Carl up as a messiah figure as an archetype, right? And I th- I think that that we will see redemption of su- some of the saviors because of Carl's death and his pleas to Rick and Michonne on his deathbed. Yeah. And the beginning of this season, the very first episode, Carl said, "We have to be looking forward to what comes after, after the fight with the saviors." And he said that again as he's dying and he gives his full vision of peace. Um and I think at first, that first time that we heard him talking about the world after, it's kind of easy to just brush it off. 
But all throughout this season, if, as we've seen the dreamlike sequences, I was originally thinking that those were Rick's dreams, but it makes much more sense in the story that now we know that they're actually Carl's dream for peace. Yeah. Rick doesn't have the, very honestly, the sanity at this point or the wherewithal to dream at all. <laughs> You know, when, when we show, when, when they showed those shots in the previous half of this season, I honestly thought it was just Rick's dying hallucinations almost. But we have to talk then about the last scene of this episode, which is we see Negan in Carl's vision of the future and a, of the Alexandria that's doing incredibly well. He's and helping farm. Is, is helping grow food and talks to Judith like a friend, right? Yeah. That's a big jump from where we are with Negan bombing Alexandria and trying to kill everyone. Yeah, definitely. And I think it just shows the two different ideas of peace between Rick and Carl. And uh, Carl said this several times throughout the season that sometimes kids have to show their parents the way. And in Rick's mind, I think he sees peace as removing these evil people from the planet and keeping our people safe. But Carl knows that that doesn't actually make peace. That just makes you into them and you take their place. Yeah. So basically in this in in this episode Carl is advocating for a justice that is unlike man's justice, right? He's advocating for a god godlike justice that does right relationships. Um yeah, more than just righting a wrong, but making things right. Yeah. So where do we even go from that? I think it's really hard to say where where we can go from there because there are so many people in different locations fighting right now that I don't see exactly what Rick can do to fulfill his promise to Carl to make things peaceful. Um, though I am hopeful it can happen, but logistically I'm not sure how it can get there. It's going to take some very interesting writing. Yeah. So basically it's up to Rick and Michonne at this point to evangelize, essentially, um, to spread word of, of Carl's hope for them. And I, I think it we, we can't forget to talk about Sadiq. Right? Definitely. Who is unarguably the reason that Carl is dead. Yeah. But who had a, a very moving monologue towards the end about, you know, his life will be lived in honor of Carl. Um, well, and I think that's a very good point about that very monologue. He says he'll honor Carl because he can't pay him back. And I think that's the other side of the coin of retribution, of someone does a good thing to you, you're indebted to them to pay them back. Someone does a bad thing to you, you have to avenge yourself and take 
vengeance upon them. So, so Sadiq's monologue in that he will live his life for Carl because of Carl harkens back to what I was postulating earlier in that Carl is being set up as the Messiah archetype in this storyline. Yeah, I think so. So the characters we really need to be watching in the episodes to come, like Sadiq is probably at the top of that list. For sure. Because I think he's going to be a key player in helping to get the conversation started about how can we stop the war. Because it's in the heat right now. People are dying everywhere. There are going to have to be some very, very direct conversations among the survivors. And some very confrontational discussions, I think, between the survivors and the saviors. Um, yeah. I think it's going to be really interesting to see what kind of role he plays because he was the person that, like you were saying, he is the person that got Carl killed. So is that going to play to the benefit of Carl's vision or is that going to get Sadiq killed <laughs> by someone like Morgan? You know? Yeah. We haven't talked about Gavin's death. Yeah, that's another important right. thing. It, it was by far the most unjust death. Uh, I don't want to say in a whole season, because I don't know where Glenn falls into that at this point. But it was by far the most unjust death of the episode, right? He was cowering, begging for his life at that point. And I, I think... I. Even though Morgan didn't end up killing him, even though Henry did, well, first of all, it was from behind, which is always imagery of unfair, right? You're not supposed to kill someone from behind their back. Um, that is not honorable. And, and with the stick, right, that Morgan trained him on. Um, that was meant to be for peaceful. That was meant for, yeah, exactly. Here's the other thing. This is... It's not off topic, but the way that Ezekiel reacted to that was interesting because I expected from his character and, and the way that they've developed him to be very re rebuking, re rebutative. There's a word for that. Retributive. No, but I expected him to scold Henry. Right? And instead, he just said, like, it'll be okay. I don't know if that was poor writing or, like, they just didn't have time to flesh that out or or if they're trying to slowly and subtly show us that the king is also sort of losing it. I think that that was Ezekiel seeing a young boy entering into the world of people that have killed other people. And knowing that he's probably going to be a little messed up about it. Yeah. And honestly, like, Ezekiel just entered that world an episode ago, right? Like, not even 48 hours from the timeline that we were watching um, this Sunday. Mm -hmm. So how can we expect him to have a well-thought-out, you know, enter into that conversation? So, I, I mean, I think that's a good point. It may be 
this could be reading too much into it, but maybe implicitly it says that there is damage done to the person who does the violence as well. That it's not just a one-way thing. And they didn't really go into detail about that. But I think Ezekiel's approach was more from understanding. And Carol, in her rebuke for him, was a fear of him becoming a killer. That's becoming how I'm her, right? Yeah, exactly. And that's how I'm kind of looking at it. But I think that scene was we saw that juxtaposed with the death of Carl. One boy lived and killed another. One boy died and was to trying to save them all. <laughs> sure. He I'm, wants to. Yeah, maybe in his vision, he wants to save everyone through a peaceful resolution. Um, but but we're, it, not only is it juxtaposed with Carl's death, it's also even more closely juxtaposed with Carl's story of regret to Rick that yeah. the boy that he killed in the forest when they were still at the prison in season four. Season four. Pretty sure it was season four. He kills the boy who was laying down his gun, right? Which is essentially what Gavin was doing. And Henry killed him as well. A young boy, probably about the same age as what Carl was at that time. Yeah. Very stark contrast. Because Carl said, I didn't have to. I just did it. But then Henry says, I had to. I had to. to. And Mm. there you see the tension between the two viewpoints of... We kill people because we have to. And Carl's saying, no, we really don't have to kill people. Yeah, and that's so, it calls back so much to, to, and even, even, um, Morgan says that, you know, Carol's like, we can just leave it. They can go that way. We can, you know, be, just be quiet and go find, I think they were actually trying to find Henry at this point, right? It's before, Henry kills Gavin and Carol's like, just leave them, just leave them. And, and Morgan says, I have to, I have to kill them. And that just makes me think in in juxtaposing that with what, with what Carl's saying as he's dying is, you know, you have heard it said, you know, but now I tell you, you know, in the words of, not the walking dead Jesus, but Jesus Christ, you know? Yeah. Um, very poignant. Yeah, for sure. And I think, that's why I think his dream is prophetic in the sense that it is maybe not going to happen exactly like that. Not foretelling what things are going to be like, but telling of a way the world should be in the midst of all this violence and confusion, giving an alternative for living in a world like that, for just living in the world. Yeah. And I think that could even apply today where we don't have to make enemies Granted, it's going to be really hard to not have enemies, but we don't have to. I want to talk about one other thing from the episode that's a little bit of a 
switching the train tracks at, at this point. But let's talk about Dwight, yeah. right? So Rosita and Daryl spared him. They killed every other savior who came after them in the woods before they came back to hide in the sewers of Alexandria to survive the bombing. Why was he spared? What part will he play moving forward? What do you think? As the the only so far defector of the saviors ever. Yeah, it'll it'll be interesting to see what kind of role he'll play and whether or not he and Daryl will actually settle up. Here's here's what I want to I, I want to postulate a question as we close up our first episode. Um, looking forward to the rest of the season, I think we're planning on doing a a weekly podcast for the run of the last half of season eight of The Walking Dead. Here's what I want to ask: um, Will Carl's death, being set up as the Messiah figure, will Carl's death be the redemption of? Negan himself. Maybe not Mm. all of Negan's followers, not all of the saviors, but Negan himself. Will Carl's death and his last wishes, when Rick gets his hands on him, will he spare him? Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. Until next time. This has been Apocalypse. Apocalypse.